What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Spitfire Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lemonian, the Spitfire Coach, and we have a, a fiery one today. I'm very excited. We just did a uh, pre-interview and talked about some different topics that we could bring up. And the last one we landed, boom! So we're going to shift gears a little bit. Sometimes we talk about business. Sometimes we talk about internal mindset, but we are switching gears today with Cornelia Shipley. She is a 16-year entrepreneur. I'm going to call her Dr. Mindset because she's working on her PhD in mindset work. Uh, she's an international best-selling author. She's been married for nine years. She's childless by choice. She's a DEI expert, so that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and she's a development strategist that helps organizations retain and advance their mission-critical talent. And she's an avid student of metaphysics. Cornelia, Thanks so much for joining us on the Spitfire Podcast. Lauren, it's so good to be here. And it's so good to see you. I know. So we we belong to the same Facebook group. So I see a little circle of you and your name and all of your brilliance every day. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you. <laughs> yes. So uh, why don't we share with our guests uh, what, what we're going to talk about today? Well, we were chatting um, and I think where we landed was about how people are fundamentally ill-prepared for marriage. I think that's where we landed. Ooh, that is where we landed. So uh, full transparency, I am a divorcee. Uh, I was divorced in 2015 um, and I am on this new road. I just got actually out of a relationship. I'm exposing this to the world right now, a five-year relationship uh, at the end of April. And I just started a new relationship. So I'm very excited to dig into this and, and what yeah. you are, what you're stirring up and finding out. Yes. Well, okay. So here's the deal. So I got married. I was like the last of my friends to get married uh, in round one. It was round one for me. And my mom calls it the starter marriage, by the way. And she's like, oh, everyone is entitled to a starter marriage. And in, in my world, it's the one marriage, one and done. So I'm, you know. Good for you. <laughs> happily married um, and uh, got married when I was 39. And uh, in my world, I was, I'm an only child. My parents only child. My parents got married when they were 19 and 21, married for 52 years before my mother passed unexpectedly five days after our wedding, which is quite traumatic. Um, and, uh, and so in my world, I was supposed to be married when I was 20 because my mother was. Nobody, my mother never told me that, you know, it wasn't a conversation we had, but I just kind of expected that, you know, she got married when she was 19 and I'll be married when I was 19. Well, my husband didn't arrive till 20 years later because I got married at 39, right? So what I'm clear about and what I didn't know until I got married was that we don't prepare people for marriage. Hmm. We don't. People don't have the right conversations before they get married. People don't, aren't clear that it's not about the day, it's about the years after this thing called a wedding. Um, and, and we don't do a good job of, of giving people the tools necessary to actually create an effective partnership. So for me personally, you know, I had been dating for God, probably, I met my husband when I was 36. Well, no, I met him before that. I met him when I was 34. I started dating when I was 36. So that meant if I started dating when I was 16, right, that would be 20 years later I met my husband after I started dating. So that was a long time. <laughs> it was a while. Um, and, 
at that point in my life, I was like, I just need to figure out how to effectively partner with another human being because my picker is broken and I don't know what I'm doing. Like I clearly, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I got over this notion that I wanted to be married, right? Like I was so caught up in, okay, I dated a new guy. Is he the one for me? Are we going to get married? All of the things that we do as women. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I forget it. If I get married, great. If not, I just want to figure out how to effectively partner with another human being. And when I started dating my husband, my husband and I, people would ask me, oh, is this your boyfriend? I'm 36. I no, he's not my boyfriend. <laughs> um, and I told, I told my husband, I said, look, I'm not putting a label on this. Either we will get married or we won't. Mm. Right. And so I got to the point where I, I said, this is my significant other, but I didn't get into like, this was my boyfriend or any of those kinds of things. And, um, we were together for four years before we got married, three years before we got engaged. And, um, and I was really committed to figuring out like, how do I partner with this person? Mm -hmm. And I don't think people think about that. And I think people come into marriage um, assuming that their marriage is going to be like what they saw or not what they saw. Right. Right. And so there's no real conversation about what you want to create together. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that's uniquely different about my marriage than most is that we do that. We talked, we, we talked for three and a half years about what we wanted to create together. Mm -hmm. Um, but distinctly different than my parents' marriage of 52 years and distinctly different than his family's, uh, you know, history around marriage. And so I think we, we culturally do such a disservice to people who are really trying from a metaphysical perspective to design their life and their future mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that because we, we come to marriage with all of these preconceived notions and the truth of the matter is it's what the parties agree to mm -hmm. period. Yeah. And no two marriages look alike. No two marriages work the same. No two marriages were founded on the same principles. It doesn't, no two, no two people who come together even necessarily know the public, private and secret reasons why they got married to each other. Mm -hmm. Much less, <laughs> you know, what marriage means to them. Like, I'm clear what it meant for me to be a wife. I'm also clear what it means to be my husband's wife. Mm -hmm. And those are two different things. Yeah. And most people don't talk about that. I don't, I don't think the majority of people talk about it. And it's, it's so interesting, the timing of this. I have been, so I am unpacking all of my stuff. Um, and I've been doing a lot of like digging up the old stories, like where is the insecurity come coming from? Where's the old story and where can I pull it up to like grab the lesson learned and let the, the limiting belief and the critic go. And I realized I was talking to my dad about this, who was a single father. He raised my brother and I, uh, for eight years. Um, so I realized, so I'm, I'm now dating a man who has two small children and yeah, complete game changer, which has now brought up all of these old stories with me and seeing my dad in a new way and, and forgiving and opening up. And I realized that I never had these conversations with any of the men that I dated. 
I went into this place of, I just want the label. I want someone to claim me. I want to get all of these like alkalades or check boxes, because then that means that they love me. Then that means that I'm a part of somebody. And I'm worthy. I'm worthy. Yeah. And, and actually was journaling about this this morning of like, where does that value and that worth come from? And it's really like being honest with yourself of where am I looking for someone else to fill my gaps versus taking the time, the solo time to do the deep work to heal. So first of all, I, I, so I'm over here having a metaphysical moment. And the reason I'm having a metaphysical moment is because I think you've been trying to book me to record for a while. Mm -hmm. And I like responded this week, right? Mm -hmm. Got it scheduled this week. And then how ironic, ironic is it that you've been unpacking all of this for the, like, so, so, so the first thing I guess I want people to know is you are a master manifester. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. We all are. (laughs) Everyone is. It's just a question of whether or not you like what you've manifested. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not a question of, can you, do you know how to, the answer to that question is yes. And yes. The question is, do you like what you got? And if you don't, then you need to do the work to understand how manifestation works so you can manifest something different. Yeah. So congratulations to you on manifesting this little here conversation because I've been manifesting like nobody's business the last couple of months. I'm like, woo! <laughs> Wasn't where we started for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, so, we didn't even plan on talking about this topic. Like it literally no. happened three seconds before we right. started. That's what I'm saying. Wasn't, wasn't what we planned at all. No. You know? So talk about master manifestation. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, we, we, we don't, we, and we don't, um, we do our children a disservice because we don't help them understand what's happening in the marriage that they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. I was really fortunate that I got a, I got a peek into my parents' marriage, you know, um, and lots of different good pieces of it, bad pieces of it. You know, they were married for 52 years. Right. So, so, you know, that's, that's a long haul. Um, but I, I feel really fortunate that I got a chance to see some pieces of their marriage because mm-hmm. I, it, it, it brought me to a place where I understood that marriage is going to be what you make it. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a daily decision to decide that you're, you are going to stay in your commitment and to love this person and to let them know that you love them and to be vulnerable and to be open to receiving, you know, all of the goodness that they want to give you. And most of us, if you read the book, The Big Leap, it talks in that, in that book about, look at that. She's like, I have it in my bedroom. I'm reading it right now again. (laughs) Here somewhere. It was on my desk a minute ago. Let's wait. Let's see. Is it in here? Mine is like three, 30 feet away. (laughs) So, so, you know, in The Big Leap, they talk about, you know, like how much joy can your heart handle? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people are sabotaging their relationships, both personal and professional relationships because they can't handle all the joy that they're receiving, yeah. you know? And I think women fundamentally, um, at least in my experience, don't understand that men who love them just want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. That truly now, love them. If you got a dude that doesn't love you, I'm not talking about you. This, I'm not talking to you, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but if you have a man who really loves you, he fundamentally just wants you to be happy. Yeah. And most women don't understand that. And they don't know how to respond to that. 
So well, then they screw it up. And it's not just the words of someone saying, I love you, but the actions, the, the small little micro behaviors, that alignment, because I was, I was in the relationship where they said all the right things. And I was like, but there's a mismatch here because your actions, your behaviors are contradicting the words coming out of your mouth. So therefore I think you're a liar and I don't respect you. Yeah. Yep. And if you can't, that's really important, Lauren, what you just said about respect, because I don't think women understand, or, and I don't think men necessarily understand that their, their level of trust in a relationship, the level of trust a woman will give you, the level of submission a woman will give you is highly dependent on whether or not she believes you. Mm-hmm. Whether or not she, she feels like it is safe to actually let you lead her. And the minute that you break that trust, the minute that she, she, she can't depend on what you say, um, you know, to quote our friend, Ron Harvey, the minute your audio and your video don't match, right. Um, it's going to be hard for you to get that back. Yeah. It's going to be hard for you to be able to say, you know, okay, let me rebuild this relationship. And the same thing is true, you know, you know this, I'm a diversity expert and I tell, I tell organizations this all the time. You can't talk your way out of something you behaved your way into. No. And so it doesn't matter if it's on, on the work front or in a personal relationship. If you've talked yourself into it uh, and you've behaved yourself into it, you can't talk yourself out mm-hmm. of it. You have to behave yourself out of it. Yeah. And you've got to pray that the person is going to give you the grace to behave yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And you need to be okay if they're not. And you need to be okay if they're not. Pray or be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and be okay. <laughs> well, and I love that you brought up this, you know, personal and professional aspect because I'm I'm hearing so many parallels in the leadership space, in the workplace space with relationships. And you better believe that if you are not building trust-based relationships in your personal life, you probably aren't doing it in your professional life. You're probably seeing things fall apart in your internal teams, with your clients, with potential customers. You're probably not landing the deals you wanna have. There is always a common thread that's linking through. And I think it has a lot to do with psychological safety. If you don't feel safe within your own skin, in your own home, what are you doing in the office? That's right. If you believe you're unworthy, unlovable, or unsafe, it becomes hard to create intimate trusting relationships with anybody. Yeah. Or it becomes a trusting relationship with yourself. Absolutely. And then what I've noticed in my own clients is they have this external chase of this is where you'll fill me up. You'll make me feel safe. And then you become codependent on that feeling. And then resentment builds because it's never going to be what you want it to be. Well, and it's not what you say you want isn't even what you want. It's not what you need. Or what you need, right? And so so we get, um, I, I use this line, it's quite cliche, but people's definition of success personally, professionally, whatever, is about keeping up with the Kardashians, right? I mean, there's some level of um, external expectation you're trying to live up to. Mm-hmm. And if you're letting that drive how you're defining success in any area of your life, you're going to be disappointed. You know, in, in the book that I wrote, Design Your Life, I talk about defining success for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I really don't care if it's a closet of Louboutin shoes or if it's financial freedom or if it's some C-suite job. D- 
but you need to define it for yourself. You can't have it be what somebody else tells you it should be based on the media messages you consume. Mm-hmm. And based on what your friends tell you that you, you should want and based on what your neighbor, you know, the fact that your neighbor just bought a new car. Yeah. Or what Disney showed you. When you were 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, more like four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although my, my examples, my models in life was watching Dirty Dancing with my mother on repeat. as oh like a five and six year old. That's <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. My mom's like, I was figuring things out. I'm sorry. Right. You're waiting for the waterfall, right? The, the, the pulley. You would just think that that's, that's how it's supposed to be. No, that's flash dance. This oh, is more flash. of like, yeah. Like I wanted to have the uh, Patrick Swayze catching me in the air. Yes. The jump. Yes. The jump. The jump. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, people do now at weddings, by the way. Yeah. I've they also seen it. The whole thing and do it at weddings. I've seen it done at bars. It hasn't gone well. <laughs> Yeah. I would think the lift and alcohol would be a bad combination. It's it's not, it's not good. And I, it was two women who were the same size. <laughs> I was like, no. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I think, I mean, I think fundamentally, if you're going to partner with another person, you've got to be crystal clear about why. Yeah. And, and what is it that you think you and this person are supposed to be creating together? Mm-hmm. What do you want to create together? What's the impact that you want to have on the world together? Mm. What's the legacy you want to be leaving behind? Whose life do you want to transform and change beyond your own? Mm. You know, I mean, and these are the kinds of conversations most couples aren't having. And then they wonder why I think it's 53% of first marriages end in divorce and 70 something percent of second marriages end in divorce in the United States. And it's because people aren't clear Mm -hmm. about why they're going down this adventure in the first place. Right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to play the role of the, of the person that is in the relationship that's hearing you say all these great things. And it's like, but if I bring that up, I'm going to sound like real, real, like off the ledge. Like they're going to think that I'm way too intense and they're not going to like me. And then I'm never going to go on dates again. Well, you know, that to me, is just a sign you got the wrong person. I mean, if, if you, I mean, I think about, um, the conversation my husband and I had that made my husband fall in love with me based on what he, what he has told me, my understanding. And um, we were having a conversation about money, which most people avoid. Mm-hmm. And I said some things in that conversation and he was like, I'm sorry, what? Can I say that again? <laughs> oh yeah, I like her. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm, I like her. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep that. Uh, we gonna figure some things out, right? And most people are afraid to talk about money. Three things that break up marriages, communication, sex, and cash. Mm. Right. So if you're in a partnership with a person, you think you want to get married and you can't talk about, you can't talk to them, period. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about money and you can't talk about your sex life. Y'all don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a recipe for divorce. Yeah. So for parents, for people that are, you know, influencing this younger generation, what are the things that they need to know? I think that they, you need to role model how you're feeling in your relationship. 
right? So if you're not okay, you need to be willing to say that. I mean, and you need to do that in an age appropriate way, right? Like I'm not suggesting that, you know, you should be telling a four-year-old all kinds of things that a four-year-old can't understand, right? But I am suggesting that in your household, you have to start to, to role model safety in communication. Mm. And we don't teach children that it's safe to express how they feel. So then they get in a relationship and they believe it's not safe to express how they feel. Mm. So you've got to create a space where you're able to have real conversation in your home with your children about how they're feeling and about how you're feeling. So something happens, your child spills milk and you're upset because you're trying to run out of the house and the child's upset because they want more milk, <laughs> right? Everybody's, nobody's okay in this particular mm-hmm. scenario. At some point, whether it's in that moment or when you're unpacking the day, you need to be able to talk about mommy or daddy was upset because mommy or daddy was trying to get you to school and you weren't listening when mommy asked you to screw the top on to the milk so it wouldn't spill. And then you spilled the milk, which then delayed mommy. And then to ask the child, how did spilling the milk make you feel? Well, mommy, I was, I didn't want to disappoint you. And then, oh, by the way, when your child says something like that, you need to start unpacking having and giving them some, some of their own agency, because if they're doing things for your approval, they're not following their own desire, Mm -hmm. which is what happens in relationships. People get into relationships and they compromise to the point that they don't recognize themselves. And then they're like, who am I? And why did I give up all of these things that were important to me to -hmm. now be with this person who I don't even like? Yep. And I don't even like myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was able to label that as the hollowing out those small shifts, like very fine sandpaper that just hollows out the walls and the brilliance of you until you become dulled out. That's right. I mean, you know, and it, it it shows up in the little things. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, when my husband and I do road trips, we don't compromise on where we eat because now if you got six kids in the car don't do what I'm about (laughs) this is is not for you (laughs) but if you're in a relationship and there are two people and you're on the road and you're like well what do you want to eat well I want Wendy's great well I want McDonald's great we'll go to an exit with a Wendy's and a McDonald's and everybody's happy Mm -hmm. right this notion that you can't honor your own desire and the desire of another is just not true Mm-hmm. You absolutely can if you so choose to, but yeah. you have to be intentional and choose to. Yeah. So is true compromise and not org, not or? It is. We live in a both and world, not yeah. an or world, but we act like it has to be either or, and it doesn't. It very rarely has to be either or. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it two people with the ampersand. It's not. Right. I mean, the only times that it becomes either or is like if you and your partner, spouse, whatever, are traveling on a plane and one of you wants to fly first class and one of you wants to fly coach and you both want to sit together. Yeah. You have to pick. pick. But if you're okay separating, one can sit in first class and one can sit in coach. That is choice. That's choice. Yeah. That's choice. Yeah. 
So it's such a shift, but I, I feel like that is the crux of it. Of like, why do you have to choose one or the other? Why can't both things be true? That's right. That's right. It's very, it's very rare. It is very rare. You know, you have a show you like to watch Tuesdays at 8 p.m. They have a show they like to watch Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Great. Watch one live, DVR the other. Yep. Switch it off. Technology is beautiful. Right? It's, it, but, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. Right? How much joy can your heart hold? Yeah. And then can it take more on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually just put that up on my Instagram story, like on Monday, where it was like the crazy thing about opening your heart is that it keeps making space the more that you fill it up. That's right. That's right. You can't, you can't outbeat God giving, right? No. You can't. You can't. There's no way to. <sighs> well, this makes my heart nice, warm and fuzzy. <laughs> oh, warm and fuzzed up. I wish that we had talked like six months ago and then actually you probably wouldn't even recognize me. I, I get together with girlfriends now and they're just like, you're so vibrant, but you're not like off the handle. Like you're grounded and vibrant. This is good. It's good. It's a good place to be. Yeah. I'm good like, place to be. this is our zone. We're going to yeah. just chill here. It's good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so this is something I'd invite you to have a conversation with your new significant other this mm -hmm. new man in your life um and and to be prepared to answer it for yourself mm -hmm. what are the public private and secret reasons you want to be with this person mm. right and so so when when i when i do private work especially with women executives um uh we know statistically African-American women are much more single than, than any other population in the United States. Um, and I work with, I've helped people get married, get divorced, manage in vitro, like you name it, right? Um, and, and, and one of the things I encourage them always to do is like, okay, great. So you're single or you're in a relationship. Why do you want to get married? Because I don't want to be by myself. Okay, that might be a public reason. That might not be why you want to, like, that might not be what you want to tell the person. But oh, by the way, if that's true for you, it's important that you talk about that, right? Like nobody wants to die alone. That's not a thing people are trying to sign up for, mm -hmm. right? So, so be willing to speak your truth about it. Publicly, you might say, I mean, there are women who say this all the time. If we're together longer than X number of years, we either need to be married or we're breaking up hmm. because they think that that says something about them, right? So I want to be married to you because we've been together for two years and it's time, whatever that means, right? Then there might be private reasons which are relative to the person. So I know somebody who I was talking to about this concept and they said part of the reason that they really liked their spouse was because their spouse was physically fit. I was like, well, y'all need to have that conversation because she could get hit by a bus and not be able to work out and gain 200 pounds and you have to push her around. Mm -hmm. Like you need to talk about that. Yeah. You know, so those, those are private reasons. And then there's secret reasons. These, the, the reasons that go to lovability and worthiness and safety about this person that you may or may not share. But ultimately, if you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person, mm -hmm. you need to be able to tell them, here are the secret reasons why I want to marry you. And then you need to have a conversation about like, here's what's required to be my partner. Mm. 
on both parties' parts. Because to be clear, my husband has requirements and so do I. Mm -hmm. And everybody has them, but people don't talk about them. And then they're mad because their requirements aren't met. Yep. Well, I talk about them on the first date. (laughs) There you go. It's a real efficient vetting tool, (laughs) let me tell you. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, you need to be able to, to have those conversations about what you need and what you require. I mean, I, I, it's a matter of public record that I have an autoimmune issue. I have Epstein-Barr. That means that there's some requirements mm-hmm. being married to me because I have an autoimmune issue. He needed to understand that yeah. before we got married. Most people don't have those kinds of conversations though. I married a self-proclaimed nerd who's a video gamer. That's the requirement. Mm -hmm. Don't take his video games away. Don't you unplug him. Don't, uh, right. Don't, don't, don't play the joke on TikTok and unplug the, that's Mm -hmm. not in our house. Mm -hmm. Don't poke that bear. (laughs) Don't poke that bear. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and what that makes me think of is like, if you can deliver the facts about you, then it's not about the story. Then it gives the other person the opportunity to say, okay, I see you, I hear you, and that works for me. Or you know what, that's a little much. How do I work with that? But if we're so in our fear of like, I'm gonna be judged or rejected, that we don't share that, then we become sick with the shame of it. And it's not a shame, it's an aspect of you. That's right. And then you can't go into, there's a, the Landmark Forum Mm -hmm. teaches that expectation is a recipe for disappointment. Mm-hmm. And if you go into the relationship expecting things that go uncommunicated, you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And if you expect the person to be like you, you're also going to be disappointed. The, the thing I love to tell people all the time is you, you learned from your dad how to load a dishwasher, right? No, we well, actually didn't have a dishwasher. <laughs> we had to do it by hand. <laughs> learn how to wash dishes yeah. from your dad. Right? That's actually funny. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah. You learn how to wash dishes from your dad. And it's it, whether it's the dishwasher or dishes, right? People have a way that they do that. So some people say, you know, you start with the silverware or the glassware, and then you the last thing you do is the pots and pans. Other people do the pots and pans first, mm-hmm. right? So if a person who does the pots and pans first marries a person who does the pots and pans last, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, they're not even doing it the way that they want. They're doing it the way that they saw, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to be willing to have conversation about like, okay, you fold the clothes this way. I fold the clothes that way. Which way do we like? Mm-hmm. Do we like either way? Do we like either way? Do we even want to fold them? <laughs> or do we like the way that they're folded at the gap? Like, I mean, like, what do we want to do here? You know, yeah. and most people don't have those kinds of conversations. They're mm-hmm. just, they're, they're not present to the fact that your partner learned how to load the dishwasher from his or her spouse, her, her parent, mm-hmm. and they're not doing it wrong. They're doing it the way that they were taught. Oh, I love that. They're not doing it wrong. They're doing it the way they were taught. Right. And that leaves the capacity to learn something new. That's right. Mm. That's right. And oh, by the way, you're not doing it right or wrong either. You're just doing it the way you were taught. Mm -hmm. You're just doing it how you know. You were just doing it the way you were taught. Mm. That just opens up so much like grace and space for people. Like just remove the judgment. That's right. And just to remember, it's, it's, 
people come into relationship assuming that the relationship that they saw is what the is the relationship that they're going to have instead of making the conscious decision about the relationship they want to create with the other person Mm. you know i have a designed marriage i'm very clear about that and it doesn't look like it did when we got married Mm -hmm. nine years well we're definitely and it won't look like it looks today, nine years from now. I was I was gonna say we need to pre-schedule nine years from now and do a do a retrospective of tell me what's different. Tell me what's new. <laughs> what have you designed in your lab? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it, I, I just think I think that we have to get to the place where we normalize conversation about relationships and people have real discussion about what's happening for them in relationships. Yeah. And how how they're unpacking, you know, you have two people who come in packages marked damaged, broken, or torn up. Mm -hmm. That's how we come to relationships. And people are so hesitant because of what you said about being seen. I don't want you to see my broken places because if you do, you won't love me. Mm -hmm. Renee Brown said it beautifully, right? Where you are vulnerable is what makes people have connection to you. Yeah. So you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. And allow whatever wants to come up to come up. That's right. Yeah. Right. To be open to processing it and and dealing with your real raw emotion about it. Yeah. And to not be afraid to get a therapist or a coach to help you through it. Right. Well, and and to be clear, you know, because my mother was a was a therapist and my dad was a pastor and I'm a coach. Um, right. I'm like perfectly designed for the job that I have. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% clear. If it's in the DSM-5, you need a therapist. Yes. Right. And oh, by the way, the entire world, the planet is in a state of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So I tell, I tell people all the time, go see a therapist to see if you need therapy. Yes. I'm not saying you need it. I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying go get your mental health checked out. <laughs> And that mental health professional can then tell you if the impacts of the last, you know, 18 months require you to process some things. Mm -hmm. It it may, it may not. Yeah. But every, I think every person, um, especially every person in the United States between the social justice issue, the political issue and COVID. Yeah. And what that's doing to people, what that's doing to people's families. You know, I was, I was on a call yesterday and somebody was talking about the fact that they're choosing not to get vaccinated Mm -hmm. and it's tearing up their relationships because their friends are like, I don't want to see you. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, the, the level of hurt and pain and loss that people are processing is significant Mm -hmm. and you need to go get your mental health checked. Absolutely. If you're going to get you know, invest in getting good food and exercising. You got to take care of that mind of yours and that heart. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it really does matter. And it it, Mm -hmm. it makes a huge difference when you can take the time to to talk to somebody to understand what's happening for you and then determine one, if you need treatment and if you do what the treatment plan is for you based on, you know, what's happened in the last 18 months. Absolutely. And so many more health insurance providers are making telehealth uh, accessible through their websites. There are much more lower cost options uh, that are covered by insurance. So thankfully that industry has moved to support mental health big time. Absolutely. Yeah. And just as a, as a disclaimer, Instagram is not your therapist. (laughs) 
Neither is Facebook. Neither is Facebook. Definitely is not. Facebook is the trigger and Instagram is not your, I don't care what like meditative mantras you're reading to yourself. Go talk to a therapist, please, please. Awesome. So if we can leave our listeners with a nugget of wisdom, which I know you have many, what is, what is the one nugget you would like to deliver into their earbuds? (laughs) I, I would, I would say that The life you have today is representative of the choices you made yesterday. Mm -hmm. And the life you'll have tomorrow is representative of the choice you make today. So choose wisely. Love that. I'm going to, I'm going to listen back to this one because I know that I, I know I'm going to pick up even more, but if people want to check out more about you and what you're up to, where can they go? Absolutely. So um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I am at Cornelia Shipley and LinkedIn and LinkedIn I'm at Cornelia Shipley. And then our website is just www.3cconsulting.com. And we are not the cannabis company. So just to be clear, I, I do not, I do not uh, trade in CBD. Um, <laughs> uh, so it is the number three, the letter C and then the word consulting.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cornelia, for sharing your insights and your time with us. And for all the Spitfires out there, you keep being awesome. Absolutely.